This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guests are Lindsay Ofsasek and Edward Lee, co-founders of the Lee Initiative in Louisville, Kentucky. What started as a two-person nonprofit has now turned into a national force. Their initiative has been feeding hospitality workers in need since March, and now they have new programs to get money into the hands of farms and restaurants to keep the businesses alive. Most recently, they've opened the McAtee Community Kitchen in Louisville's West End, set up in memory of Chef David McAtee, who was killed there on June 1st. As Louisville remains in the headlines and hurting, hear what Lindsay and Edward want you to know about the strength and compassion of their city. We're back Monday with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Lindsay and Edward. So yesterday was was voting day and you guys were out at the polls. Tell me what you were doing and why it mattered to be there. Yeah, um, we were out with World Central Kitchen, uh, just there to feed voters as they were leaving the polls. Um, We are fortunate that Kentucky, despite popular belief, was very organized in their voting process. Um, We had a record high turnout, but the lines were not crazy. Um, It was just nice to be able to give people lunch for coming out. And this is Louisville we're talking about. Yes. I think Lexington was a little crazier. But <laughs> um, I, I should mention you guys worked together on uh, something called the Lee Initiative, which was founded in, in 2018 out of, uh, you know, the restaurant group. And uh, the pandemic, which started in, in March, has really changed the face of your organization. I, I think you guys went from something that people in the food world knew about um, to something that's been nationally prominent. And I feel like you guys just kind of grew and, and blew up overnight. So I'm, I'm wondering, what has that felt like? <laughs> we haven't slept. <laughs> Edward, I'll let you start on this one. Um, you know, it's, it's been a surreal kind of um, doing this, this work and, and um, I feel like we 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 started down this this rabbit hole um, of doing work for social justice, for for helping people, for um, you know equality and diversity, which which we've always believed in, and and but we've just gotten a lot more involved in direct aid in in uh, helping you know during this crisis, and um, um, it it just seems like this you know I mean gosh I don't know we have like four projects going on simultaneously right now and so it's 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 been surprising to me uh it's been surprising to Lindsay, to all of our partners like how much need is out there um and how much we're able to handle because just when we think we can't do uh, you know anything like we're completely our plate is so full and then you know world central calls and says can we cook for the voters i'm like yeah sure let's do it so so it just, it, it, it continues to sort of amaze me that, that, you know, I'm kind of sounding like I'm patting myself on the back, but we just, we just continue to sort of do things and, and, and put more on our plate. Um, and, and, you know, it's working like we're, we're, we're making a difference and, and we're changing people's lives and we're, we're, you know, like the McAtee kitchen is, is, you know, I mean, we mobilized in, in less than a week and, you know, we've already fed thousands of meals, served out thousands of meals and 
tons of uh, literally tons of groceries um, every week. Um, and so it's just, uh, it, it, it's amazing that, that to see it all happen. And as much as I'm in it, I, I sometimes step back and I feel like I'm almost, you know, just kind of surreally watching this thing, um, just, you know, have a life of its own and grow and, and take shape. And, and now we have tons of supporters and volunteers and, and, you know, we have a larger staff now. Um, and it just seems like every initiative that we launch, like people come out of the woodworks to support us and, and to make sure that it succeeds. And, and that it feels incredible to just watch that whole thing happen. So the first bit of this was the Restaurant Workers Relief Program, which started popping up all over the country when it was pretty evident that restaurants and hospitality businesses were closing, people were going to be out of work, uh, which meant people weren't getting paychecks. It was before there was any unemployment benefit or whether anybody knew whether the PPP was going to do anything. Did you guys just wake up one morning in mid-March and, and decide, you know, we have to help the people in, in our restaurant group and essentially now we also have to help the whole country? Yeah, well, sort of. So we we knew that restaurants were going to close in Kentucky, but typically things happen in Kentucky a little later than the rest of the country. Um, that wasn't the case. Um, on March 15th, we got notice from our governor that the restaurants were going to close at five o'clock the next day. Um, we didn't want to lay off our staff. We had all of this food to cook. We had fed people um, during the government shutdown the year before, so we knew a little bit on how to do that. Um, we also had great partners in Makers Mark who had supported us from the beginning with our Women Chefs Initiative. And so we decided the next day that we were going to turn our kitchen into a relief center. Um, we stocked a grocery store full of pantry goods, diapers, formula, wipes. We cooked about 250 meals put it on Instagram and had no idea what would happen. Um, the next day when we opened, about a half an hour before our start time, we had caused a traffic jam through Old Louisville and we were out of food in an hour. Um, our partners at Makers Mark were there. They're always boots on the, on the ground. They're not, they're not the kind of partner that just writes a check and walks away. So the second day they came back and, you know, we had 400 people show up and we realized quickly that this was a serious problem that was going to happen everywhere. So our partners, you know, came to us and said, if we can, if we can help you take this nationwide into our markets, will you do it? We said, yes. Um, we were <laughs> literally building a plane while flying it. We didn't sleep. And at the end of two weeks, we had 19 relief kitchens in 19 cities. Um, and I think for me, like, you know, we were a really small nonprofit, but we were a really successful restaurant group. And we started to realize that if you run, if you run a nonprofit and do philanthropic work in the same way that you run a restaurant, you can do it. Um, everybody's used to moving quickly. Everybody's used to operating on razor thin margins. And if you change the way that you're looking at it, you can totally do it. You don't have to have two years to plan this out. Um, so, yeah, that's how we started. <laughs> you didn't even have two minutes. So how did you start partnering with different restaurant groups across the country? Who did, who did you call? Was it just, you know, the first person on your list in every city would say yes? Or did you have to dig around a, a bit? So we didn't have time to vet people. So Edward was in charge of that side of the program because we had to work with people that we knew and trusted um, because we were moving so quickly. So, Edward, I'll let you kind of talk about that process. Yeah, I mean, you know, most, I wouldn't say, uh, 
you know, it, I would say the first five or six restaurants we worked with were people that I knew. Um, you know, we, we had to make sure that, that we were entrusting people with doing the job. You know, we, no one could travel at that time, right? So it wasn't like I was able to go to the kitchen to execute it and make sure that they were doing it right. So we basically would, typed up uh, a procedure list, you know, typed up a safety list. You know, we had a, a you know, a, a blueprint for how we do things. And we had to rely on that chef in that restaurant to execute it the way we were doing it in Louisville uh, in, in as similar a way as possible. Uh, we didn't want anyone, you know, going rogue or, or, or you know, mishandling the money. Um, so really in the beginning it was, you know, I mean, the first person I called was, you know, Nancy Silverson. I said, hey, you know, I know you believe in, in this stuff. I know you're, you're, you're good people and you would do things right. You know, we, would you do it? And she said yes right away. And then we called uh, Eduardo Jordan in in Seattle. And he was on board. And Jose Salazar in Cincinnati and, and my restaurant in, in uh, D.C. So um, we were incredibly fortunate that every chef partner that we worked with, um, pretty much all of them uh, went above and beyond what we asked of them. And they went out and they fundraised even more money. And, and they rallied their community. Um, and we always said like, you know, I, I don't know Seattle very well. Um, we want to help people in Seattle, but you know your community better than I do. Um, so, so, you know, Eduardo just created this entire sort of organic network of people in his, you know, circle and, and was able to fundraise, was able to feed more people. And, and, you know, I mean, his kitchen was open pretty much for the entire shutdown. Um, and you have to remember, like when when we first when when the restaurants first shut down and we got our our funding to open these relief kitchens, the original plan was to have them open for two weeks, um, just until the unemployment checks came in. And and we thought, okay, things will calm down then and everything will be settled. Well, it turns out it wasn't. And and, and at that time, I don't think any of us predicted that we'd be shut down for three months. Um, so so we had to look back and pivot and go, what are we doing? We can't, we can't close all these relief kitchens that we just opened. So that was Lindsay's part. I mean, she, she just fundraised the hell out of, of companies and people. And, and we raised a ton of money and we asked all the chefs to, to fundraise in their communities. Um, and, you know, we're quite proud of the fact that we did not have to close a single uh, relief kitchen uh, due to you know running out of money um, we, we just kept pumping them and, and keeping them open and, and we were able to feed you know 300,000 plus meals um, in, in just about two and a half months um, which is a you know it's it's a it's a remarkable number for us you know going from you know a tiny a tiny nonprofit of two people um, in in Louisville it's extraordinary too for me to think about the fundraising fundraising aspect of it at a time when everybody's also worried about an economic crisis and everybody's business is kind of shut down to some extent. So, you know, calling people cold and saying, "Hey, <laughs> open up your wallet, feed the people who have been feeding you," must have been incredibly challenging. You know, it actually made me realize how important small restaurants are to people and how important it is. Um, you know. Everyone loves to dine out. Everybody has a special restaurant that they eat in where they make memories. Um, 
you're really important to people. Um, just in, you know, in two and three dollar donations or people putting in funds, you know, in small amounts uh, to replace the fact that they weren't dining out. We were able to raise, I think, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in two weeks um, because people thought about you. Um, and then we had brands. I mean, like Maker's Mark. The way that we did that was, you know, all brands have these giant marketing budgets. Um, and they weren't going to have any on-premise events and nobody was making commercials and no one, you know, they weren't doing any of these things. So what they did was they pulled the marketing budgets from all of those cities and they infused them into restaurants to support the restaurants that had, you know, supported their brand the whole time. And that was kind of across the board with how people went with funding us. Um, you know, it's, it wasn't just us reaching out to the public. People called us and people really wanted to help. And I think that, you know, in a crisis like this, people genuinely do want to help. And it was very apparent that the restaurant world was suffering. You just need to tell them how. What did you guys draw on for strength in doing this? Did you have any precedent in, in your own life for persevering through this moment and, and making it happen for so many people? Uh, for me, the first day that we were open, seeing people who were young families coming in, um, you know, and people in the restaurant community. When we first opened, we didn't see a lot of people we knew. It was, um, you know, larger families that are more vulnerable to this. Um, I have raised two kids in the industry. I have a four and a six-year-old. And I thought, like, what would my life have looked like, you know, if I was laid off unexpectedly? Like, it would have been extremely hard. So that was part of it. And as the weeks went on, we started to see people we knew. Um, these were people who did nothing wrong they lost their job. They've never accepted aid before in their life. And then here we are. They had to. So, and that was, you know, pretty gut-wrenching. And I think also like you, you, you know, you realize when, when, when you hand out food that it's, um, you know, you're handing out a meal, but you're also handing out hope. And, and when you're in a situation like that, um, where there's, you know, there's so much confusion, there's so much uncertainty. There's so much sadness out there that that you know the the especially in in the middle of that 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 really confusing time, uh, you know, a few weeks after the shutdown, um, just offering a free free meal for for many people was just like it was the big best part of their day because they they were doing nothing but going crazy with with uncertainty, and so when you do that, you realize that it becomes way more important than just the food that, mm. that you know, you're, you're really helping people mentally um, get through their day. And sometimes it's just that little bit of hope um, that gets you to the next day and the next day and the day after that and the day after that. And when you're in a crisis like this, you don't, you, you don't think, you know, you don't think normally or sane. I mean, you just, you're just trying to get through day in and day out and, and come out of it, you know, somewhat intact. In, in the other end so I think that's that was for us it was just really you know in, in some ways it was it was holding you know our our small community together and our society together uh, and make sure that at the end of this that we have an independent restaurant community to come back to um, because that's the thing that we're trying to save the most and that's ongoing I mean it's you know the end of June, we're talking about a time period that started in, in March, and that's still sort of up in the air, or completely up in the air. We still have a relief kitchen opening in New York, um, because we have no idea when they're going to start reopening. Where is it? 
uh, Olmsted right. in Brooklyn. Yeah, Greg, Greg and, and Max have done an amazing job. And part of our programs, I mean, you know, we have the reboot program now where we're helping farmers and restaurants also reopen. Like, I, I, I think people have to understand, like, we're not out of the woods. And, and, and you know, restaurant, this jury's still out if any of these restaurants are going to survive. I mean, you know, I've opened up only one of my restaurants and, you know, it's, it's hanging on by a thread. You know, we're, we're just... We, we don't, again, we're just trying to pay the bills every week. We don't, we don't, can't even look at what, you know, August or September is going to look like. It's, it's frightening. So tell me about Regrow and who's eligible and, and what it does. Yeah. So uh, do you know about Reboot, which is the other program? I don't know uh, about Reboot. So there's Reboot okay. and Regrow. So the Reboot program, we have pledged to invest a million dollars into local family farms to, um, reset the supply chain and help restaurants reopen with uh, products that they're proud of. And so what we're doing is we go to, we've gone to every relief kitchen and said, you know, what are two to three restaurants that you cannot live without in your community? And where are the, you know, three to four farmers that you really don't want to reopen without? We all know that those products can be more expensive. We want to help you, you know, reopen with those. And so we go to those farms and we do cash infusions into the farm to create a purchase order or a credit for the three to four restaurants in that community that they can order from. Um, this is to help them reopen, you know, and help with their food costs, but also to give an infusion to the family farm because without the farm, you know, the restaurant doesn't exist either. Wow. What a, what a tough judgment call to make. It's like a, a, biblical trial in terms of what, which restaurants and farms are, are the most important in, in communities. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, and it's a hard decision, but we can't, you know, we, we do have limited amount of funds, so we had to make some decisions. Um, so, Edward, do you want to add on to that program? It's Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, I, I would say like, like, you know, small farms and independent restaurants are, are two sides of the same house. Um, you can't have one without the other. And so as we're trying to save restaurants, um, you have to save farms. Like we can't, if we don't have these small independent farms that sell us our products, we have nothing, we have nothing to stand on when, when we reopen. Like, you know, I charge more at my restaurant for my menu prices because I use better ingredients than the chain restaurant down the block. And, and so if I don't have, if I literally do not have, you know, we, we, we talk about like, what would a landscape of restaurants be like if you only ate at chain restaurants? It's miserable. It's the same question. What would, what would, you know, restaurants be if you can only buy meat from the same place that the chain restaurants do? It, it's not, it's not a landscape we want to look at. Um, and as, as bad as the restaurants are hurting right now, the farms are hurting even worse. Um, but it doesn't get the front page news. It doesn't make, um, you know, headlines, mm. you know, because, you know, they're not celeb. The farmers mm. are not celebrities and they're very humble people. And they're, they're kind of in the background and, and they're, you know, the lowest person on the totem pole. Um, but they're integral to this whole supply chain and, and we can't run good restaurants without them. And, and they're suffering right now. Okay. So, so that's, that's reboot. So what is regrow? Yeah, so Regrow, um, we've been fundraising just to help restaurants open back up. It's, I think the average cost of reopening your restaurant is a minimum of $27,000. You have just come off of three months of no income, and not everybody got PPP. So 
We started this fund. Um, people, anyone can apply. There's an application on the website. Well, anyone in Kentucky uh, can apply. We um, have an application on the website. It goes a lot. We do a lot of vetting on how financially responsible you were before COVID. Um, and then what your reopening plans post COVID look like. And then we'll give you a $15,000 grant, um, you know, no strings attached just to help you get open. And where's, is this money coming also from donors and, and fundraising both? Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Well, I think both of those plans are going to be long lasting. Um, I want to talk about the McAtee Community Kitchen, which is something you guys have, have just started. And of course, it's named after David McAtee, who was um, a local beloved barbecue chef who had a, a, a small restaurant called Yaya's Barbecue, had dreams of opening a brick and mortar place. Um, he was shot and killed on, on June 1st. When did you guys decide to do something uh, in response to that? And why is that important? Uh, to contribute to that part of the community in Louisville as well? Um, you know, it, it, we, we decided pretty quickly, um, you know, I, I, I've been here in Louisville for almost 20 years and I, I know one thing about this town and, and it's a town that uh, has a lot of empathy and compassion. Um, and it's a good place full of good people. And when, when you see a city sort of mm. torn apart and divided and, and, um, just really hurting, um, you know, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because I know that's not the true representation of, of Louisville and, uh, because of McAtee, because of Brianna Taylor, um, you know, we, there, there was a moment where we became an epicenter for, for, you know, all that's wrong, you know, in society and, and, you know, to be quite frank, like there's a lot of people who've never visited Louisville, Kentucky, who were talking shit about it. And, 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 you know, for me, we've worked so hard in, in creating, um, a place that is caring, that is fair, that's equitable. That's a, you know, a, a loving place. And I just hated to see that get undone so quickly. Um, and so I felt like we had to do something to, to, you know, bring some positivity um, bring some kind of, uh, um, you know, just bring some good news, just, just start and, you know, try to try to feel out what it's like to start a healing process. And, uh, I thought this was something that we just came up with and said, you know, this is what Louisville needs right now. Um, and you know, it, it was, it was slightly controversial to some and and you know we had some reservations about it but i think once we talked to the communities especially the black communities and we got their blessing um and and not only their blessing but they were they were just so thrilled by it um that it was an easy choice at that point and, and you know we went ahead with it and you know we're feeding uh, you know about about thousand portions of meals a week, 7,000 pounds of groceries that we hand out a week um, to the West End of Louisville. Um, and and it's, uh, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Nikia Rhodes is, is someone that I've worked with for a while, and she's running the whole program. Um, and while she's running it, she also has five um, you know, young students from you know, the community of West End um, who she's training up. So, you know, these are kids that, you know, maybe otherwise would have had a hard time finding a job in the food industry. Uh, and she's giving them this, this training now so that six months from now, a year from now, 
you know, they'll have, without ever having gone to cooking school, um, they'll have the basic core skills they need now to go out and find a great job in the restaurant industry. And maybe one of them becomes the next great chef of Louisville. Um, and, and that's what we want to see come out of this program eventually. Lindsay, can you talk a little bit more about the response in particular in, in the West End and why this was controversial and how it's now being received? Yeah. Um, so we had already, we had spent a week before we opened this kitchen um, doing some work in the West End with already existing organizations like Feed the West and Children Shouldn't Hunger. Um, we were, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. So we were literally going and picking up USDA boxes and just delivering them to different locations. Um, it wasn't very streamlined on our end. We were spending a lot of time um, not making a huge impact. So we sat down and thought about, you know, how can we support these already existing organizations to, you know, in the work that they're already doing by leveraging partnerships that we already have in place. Um, so we called Dare to Care, who we had been working with through Restaurant Relief. Um, as Edward said, we called Chef Nakia Rhodes. Uh, she's a first year women chef's mentee, but she's also a culinary instructor um, at Iroquois High School. Uh, she's extremely active in the movement. And so her students had just lost three months of culinary training due to COVID. So it made sense for us. Edward also had a restaurant, Milkwood, that wasn't going to reopen. So we had a kitchen, we had access to food, and then we also have a, we have a transportation sponsorship. So we had giant vehicles to be able to get food there. So we just sat down and mapped out really quickly, like, how do we su support these organizations? Well, the only thing that we know how to do is feed people really efficiently. So we started this kitchen. Um, we reached out to, you know, Feed the West and different organizations and said, what can you identify three neighborhoods that we can drop food to and support your community? Um, and we were very careful to, you know, just stay in touch with the community and see what would be helpful for them. You know, we, this isn't work that we've done before, so we wanted to be very conscious of that. And so far, it's been really well received. You know, this Monday, we ran out of food at every location, and, you know, we're just going to keep going. And we're, we're looking at a way that right now we're funded through, I think, September on this project, and we're reaching out to companies to see how we can make this a permanent fixture in the community um, and continue this cooking school and education and you know, stay a part of the West End and the education of young chefs. And this is not a part of town where you've previously been involved? Not really. I mean, I have done some volunteer work in the West End, so has Edward, but no, I mean, this is not a community that we've extensively worked in. It's interesting, Edward, what you were saying about, you know, a lot of people haven't been to Louisville and you wouldn't want them to get the wrong idea. And this is a time where your city has been and will continue to be in the news for, you know, a variety of reasons. And because of David McAtee, until there's uh, a just conclusion to the Breonna Taylor case, and because there's a very important Senate race happening in Kentucky right now. So I, I, do you guys feel that you're now more than ever, you know, these representatives of, of your city? Yeah, and, and I think we have a response. Uh, I would say every resident of global Kentucky has a responsibility to step up and make sure that, um, you know, we are doing things good for the city, for humanity. Um, you know, one of the things that we're, we're proud of is um, 
you know, the, 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 the model by which the Lee Initiative works and the model by which our nonprofit has been able to expand and been able to, to, you know, I mean, just do what we do is because, you know, we care, you know, we, we truly care. And, and, and that may sound insignificant when, when you're talking about, you know, profit and loss and, 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 you know, pro forma sheets, but when when you can have people a staff of people that truly want to make a difference um that's what makes us different from from you know uh, some other you know nonprofit from a, from a bigger city like we're i think we're showing the world that if you truly care about something and you put your heart and soul into it and and you don't worry about the numbers and you don't worry about your salary like i haven't i haven't taken a dime um, of, of, of pay from the, from the nonprofit. We, we do it because we truly want to make a difference. And when you do that, you, you can really change the world. And, and so for us, we're very proud of what we're doing. We're very proud that we started in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, that, that, that's an amazing thing that, that has happened here. Um, and I don't know where we go from here with the lead initiative, quite frankly, we, we discuss it very often. Um, but I think we have, you know, our journey is not done and our story is really just beginning. Um, and and I, I think we have an opportunity and, and all of Louisville and all of Kentucky has an opportunity to sort of rise up right now and say like, you know, this is, this is a great place. Um, and it is a place full of, you know, place full of compassion. It, you know, it's the kind of place where you walk down the street and, and, and a perfect stranger just walks up to you and says hi and you start having a conversation. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of place. And, and uh, you know, we need that. We need compassion right now. We need to care about the world. Um, and I think Louisville's as good a place as any to sort of start that movement. Is, is it still feeling that warm to you or is there a sense of hurt? that that hasn't been there previously i think i think there's both i think there's definitely anger um and there's definitely um a sense of you know like an innocence lost um but i also know that people have been coming out of the woodworks um to help like i mean what how much did we raise for the mcatee kitchen in, in one week i mean people the, the minute they heard about this um they just want to help they want to help. They want to help the West End. They want to help the kids that are that are missing school lunches. Um, they want to help the community that you know maybe yeah. There's there is a black community in Louisville, Kentucky that that's been ignored. Um, and and I cannot tell you how many phone calls we've gotten, how many emails from people all over Kentucky, not just in Louisville, um, who are reaching out to make sure that we succeed and to make sure that we get you know we're getting free food from farms. We're getting donations we're getting people volunteering like i mean we can't even keep up with the volunteer list there's so many people that want to volunteer um so yeah there is a lot of care out there and and, and it's it's amazing to see again to see people rise up and 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 really move and and do you know have action um it's it's incredible and and you know we're we're really just a conduit for that right like so we we come up with these things we 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 come up with the idea uh, and we put the plan in action, um, and then we can't survive without you know the donations and the help and the energy of the people around us. So 
um, with the McAtee kitchen, like we knew we, we did something right. Um, the amount of people that have been calling us and every day it, it continues. Um, like this is, this thing is going to happen and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be, you know, a long-term thing and, and it's going to change people's lives. And it's because of the, the, the people of Louisville and people from all colors, all races, all, you know, all ages, uh, all social and demographic backgrounds are calling to help. You know, it's, 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 it's really quite amazing. That's good to hear. I don't hear that much about, uh, you know, broad unity in, in that regard. It's, it's largely more about division in the national story. So well, that's it's, it's you know, it's, 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 you know, and, and, and it's about divisions because that's what makes the headlines. Um, but, but there are, and, and, you know, like, like thank you for what you're doing and, and highlighting what we do because for every story of anger and confrontation and division out there, I guarantee you there are a hundred stories of people coming together and doing kind things. There's smaller stories, you know, um, maybe they're not burning up a store. Um, they're, they're kinder, gentler stories. Um, but there are also stories worth talking about. Um, you know, there's stories of people, you know, a 70 a, a year old woman coming out to volunteer um, because she, she grew up in the West End and, and she, you know, was able to get out, but she hates that she had to, you know, to see that and that people are hungry. And even though she's 70 and she's at risk of getting COVID and she can barely, you know, lift a box, you know, she comes out and wants to volunteer. And that's amazing. Those are the stories that we need to be t telling right now. Yeah, and it's like everyone saw in the national media that the West End of Louisville lost their Kroger to a looting situation. But what they didn't see in the national media is that within 24 hours, Feed the West had mobilized, raised a million dollars in a week, and started doing grocery deliveries to over 750 families. And that was a group of women who had never done, you know, they just mobilized. This group didn't exist before, you know, and it was immediate and those are not the stories that you hear, but you should. We've got them. <laughs> What's the status of, of the restaurants, of, of your restaurants in Louisville right now? You mentioned one's not reopening. Well, Milkwood's not reopening. It, we turned Milkwood into the McAtee kitchen. Um, so that's not reopening. Um, 610 is open or, you know, we have good days and bad days. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll just take it, you know, week by week. Um, and then my last restaurant uh, is Whiskey Dry, and we are, you know, we're going to try and open this weekend. Um, then my restaurants in D.C. are, again, you know, D.C. is in a much tougher place, and we're trying to reopen as soon as we can. But, uh, um, you know, maybe it's th this week, maybe it's next week. I mean, maybe it's next week, maybe it's the week after, but we don't know yet. Edward and Lindsay, our show's called Takeaway Only. I'm wondering what your big takeaway is from leading and growing the Lee Initiative over the last several months. Um, I mean, my big takeaway has just been, you know, in a crisis situation, look around at what resources you have. There is a very strong chance that within your direct community, um, you have the ability to do great things and to attack a crisis head on. Edward? Most of us are all on the same side. And, and um, you know, I think what COVID has definitely taught us is that it's not, you know, we're not, we're not one city or we're not one state or one country. I mean, we're, we're literally one world uh, and something that starts somewhere across, you know, 
the world that has affected the entire globe. Um, and, and I think that, you know, listen, if, if we're going to get through this COVID thing, but also like if we're going to get through life, you know, on this planet, we have to start thinking more globally and more as a unit, you know, more as a human race um, than, than as, you know, individual, you know, fractions. Um, and, and, and I think we're, we're going to get through COVID because we did do that. We, we, we thought about each other as, as human beings and we were kind to each other and, and we helped each other in need. Um, and it's, I hope that once the, the dust of this all settles, we still remember that and we still remember to be kind to everyone. Edward and Lindsay, I really appreciate and admire your work. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. That was Lindsay Ofsasek and Edward Lee. You can follow the Lee Initiative on Instagram at Lee Initiative. And you can donate to any of their campaigns, including the McAtee Community Kitchen at leeinitiative.kindful.com. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Beeples. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, and Raphael Weil. We're back Monday. This is Takeaway Only.